smoking crack Before I do that, I beg Mariah to take me back I get up before I get down Run myself in the ground Before I put some whack shit out I'm trying to smack this one out the park 5,000 mark Y'all steady trying to drown this shark Ain't gonna do nothing but piss me off You know, for those of you who have listened to this show who don't understand the context of the character Kaneda, and, and by that I don't mean me Kaneda, I mean the Katashiro Otomo character of Kaneda from the anime Akira, I want to explain to you real quick like why I call myself Kaneda and why I call this Kaneda's Pinball Podcast and why my online persona has always been Kaneda on every single forum I've been on. It's quite simply that Kaneda is a character that is a little bit rebellious, probably very rebellious. He's a, a youthful, motorcycle-riding badass who just doesn't give a shit what people think. And he's trying to save his friend Tetsuo from Neo-Tokyo experiments that have turned him into a monster. All right, But ultimately, underneath it all, he's a good guy that's just trying to save the world. And sometimes I feel like I have this responsibility to the pinball community and the pinball world to try and just speak the truth and let you guys know what is actually going on underneath all of the bullshit that is on the forums, that people talk, that other podcasts are saying, and get to the actual core of the thing. And on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, it's going to be one of those episodes where I try to get to the core of some issues, and I'm getting to it at 4.52 in the morning. So you know, you know this is going to be one of those special editions of Canada's Pinball Podcast where I don't even hold back. I just, I'm just going to tell you exactly how I feel and exactly the situation as it is in the world. There's going to be no sugarcoating here. This is going to ruffle some feathers. This is going to piss some people off. I might lose some listeners after this episode, but I don't care. I don't care. I'll tell you why. Because we all only live once. And pinball is probably the dumbest thing on the planet to get obsessive about. It means absolutely nothing in the real world. It doesn't. This is like, this is, this is Pandora. This is fantasy world. This is, you know, the oasis, if you will. <laughs> this is not real. It's just a box with lights and mechanisms and toys for adults. It's not necessary. Okay, that being said, let me jump right in. So today, we got a webinar from our friends at Deep Root Pinball that explained the entire goodwill terms and conditions they're offering Zidware customers. Now, I'm not going to go into it in depth, okay? I'm not going to... It's 30 minutes, okay? I, I, I was joking to friends that it is 30 minutes of your life that you will never get back, okay? But look... I'm going to do something and I'm going to I'm going to say something that's not going to be very popular. Um, but before I do that, I want to I want you guys to hear the end section of Robert Mueller's discussion about what they're going to do for Zidware customers because I think they actually called this podcast out. And this is probably 
one of the lamest reasons why this company would reject your claim to be made whole if you were a Zetaware customer. I want you to listen to what Robert Mueller says are the terms and conditions in which they may deny a claim and also the terms and conditions in which they need to accept a claim if you're a Zidware customer. Listen to this guy speak right here. What proof do you have to submit? Well, at a minimum, we need some demonstrable evidence that you actually had a, an agreement with John to purchase a game and that you actually paid the specific amount of money uh, in whatever form to John. Uh, we know that might be hard for some people, but unfortunately we have to draw the line somewhere um, and be reasonable that if you feel that you have a claim, you need to have some evidence to back that up. So that is not only that you entered into an agreement, but that you paid money. Also that you have not yet received your game, or if you've received it, that you haven't sold or assigned it. And last, uh, but, but I think most importantly, that you haven't um, basically poo-pooed on the whole process, but still trying to get benefits. That's just not fair to everyone else. So if you've defamed us or the process and public communication on Pinside or podcast or otherwise, then we will make a decision internally whether or not to approve or deny your claim. See, Robert, and I know you listen to this podcast, the problem with everything you just said is you're making the biggest mistake. And I'll tell you why. Because you fail to understand the situation that Zidware buyers are in. You are looking through this through the lens of John Papaduke, and you are simply looking at it all wrong. I want to ask you a question, Robert. You're a very successful businessman. You made a lot of money, right, doing other things in the world. If you gave your hard-earned money to John Papaduke five years ago and didn't get your product, if you were lied to, if your, if your pinball machine never arrived, how would you feel after five years of being manipulated, lied to, false promises? Would you say nice things about the process? Would you, or would you poo-poo, as you put it, on the process? And the fact that you are going to deny people their claim if they come on a podcast or go on to Pinside and say, screw John, screw Deep Root, like this guy took my money five years ago and gave me nothing is absolutely ridiculous, okay? It is ridiculous. And I, I think you're smarter than that. And I think you need to start waking up to the reality of who you're in bed with. And I'm not saying this because I think you're gonna fail at your venture. I think you have a lot of obstacles to overcome. But I think you need to stop and think about what you're trying to do because what you're asking for right there is censorship. You don't want people to say how they really feel. Why can't somebody who got burned by John Papaduke poo-poo him and your deep root process? Why? Why should they be denied they gave the man their money. It doesn't matter what they feel. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter you know, what they say. They paid for a product, Robert. You don't get it. They paid for something. Give them what they paid for. You can't now ask them to be a cheerleader for you when they got burned by this dude for five years. It's, it's like, pull my hair out. Aren't you smarter than this? Okay, the other part of this whole thing 
if you listen to the beginning of what Robert says in that clip I played you, is now the onus is on the buyer to prove that they didn't get what they received from John. Now, if Robert wants to have revisionist history and, and make John the victim here and all the buyers now are the defendants, that's on him. But the reality is this, Robert. Listen up. Your boy, John Papaduke, he entered into a lot of agreements with people with verbal agreements, with handshakes, with promises of games to people. He didn't keep records. He didn't keep books. He basically gave people like fairy dust agreements and sent them like receipts that were this like ridiculous gobbledygook. And now you're asking people who he burned, who he like wronged, it's on them to prove that John owes them something, okay? So let me give you an example, Robert, and this is the most important example of them all. John promised Jeremy Packer a machine uh, for his work, okay? Jeremy Packer got screwed when American Pinball made their Magic Girls. We all know the story. He never got his machine. But Jeremy Packer doesn't have a, a piece of paper. He doesn't have a receipt from John Papaduke because John Papaduke was a smooth talker and he basically got a lot of people to do a lot of work for him without any sort of documentation. And so what does Jeremy Packer do now? What does he show you, Robert, to prove to you that he deserves a game? Now, I think Jeremy Packer is doing the right thing, and he's not like playing ball. He's not jumping into this new venture uh, enthusiastically. He's not going to sell out like, like Apple Juice did for 10 grand and just call it a day. Um, he's not. So, look, the bottom line is this I listened to all 30 minutes of this webinar. 30 minutes of all the different scenarios like if you have a magic girl you get this you know what's you know what's crazy i sold my magic girl to somebody so i'm out i'm out i'm out but people who bought a magic girl from an original zidware buyer like i bought kim mitchell's magic girl what happens then is that the people who bought it secondhand those people are kind of fucked they get nothing from Deep Root. It's funny, right? Because Deep Root considers Kim Mitchell made whole because I bought his game, okay? But then what, what about me? What about me who now possesses this super expensive machine that doesn't work? Well, you're screwed. Sorry. Sorry. But think about my scenario. And I'm out. So I, it, it's not, it, it, I don't really care anymore. But think about my scenario. I bought Kim Mitchell's machine before I knew that Magic Girl didn't work. I fully expected when I paid $23,000 to get a fully functioning, amazing magical pinball machine from Chom Papaduke. I opened up the box and the game didn't work. Okay, so doesn't John Papaduke owe me something? Even though I bought it secondhand, doesn't he owe me a working Magic Girl? 
okay? And that is the problem with Deep Root's whole goodwill initiative, is it's not taking into consideration the domino effect of all the people that John Papaduke has screwed over. It, it, it goes far deeper. The rabbit hole goes far deeper than anything Robert Mueller can imagine, all right? What about all the vendors, all the people that did work for John who were promised games? They don't have documentation, Robert. So you're going to get phone calls from people who say, hey, I, I did all the playfield screening for John and he promised me like three games over the phone. What are you going to do to those people? You're going to go back to John and he's going to be like, well, Robert, you know, uh, I don't know about that guy. Like, it, it's going to be a nightmare for them to figure out all of the people that John screwed over. And the list goes so much deeper than people realize, okay? Now look, look, the other part of all of this, and, and, and you could just like scratch your head at the conditions and the goodwill offer. It's like, if you went in on every game, they're gonna give you three games um, I think for the price of like $14,500 is the totality of if you went in on all John Papaduke's games. So roughly around $5,000 a game is what they're going to offer you as credit. Now, they haven't told us yet what they're going to price their versions of Magic Girl, Raza, and Alice in Wonderland at. But $5,000, like John was selling Magic Girl for $16,000 and Raza was $10,000. So, you know, how are these guys making these games at such a cheap cost? I mean, it's, it's head scratching, all right? But the other part too, all right? And I listened to it all. And again, like if you're curious, I would listen to it. The other part is this. If you are a plaintiff, suing John Papaduke, okay, suing the man who took your money and gave you nothing. If you are one of the plaintiffs and you don't accept the deep root terms and conditions, you get nothing, okay? Now, when you step back and look at what Robert Mueller is doing here, it's, it's very simple what he's doing. He is trying to strong arm people with threats to drop their lawsuit against John Papaduke. He also goes on to say that John Papaduke has no money. There are zero assets left in Zidware. So think about that for a minute. John burned through $1.2 million of people's money and never delivered anything. Okay, but he's painting John as a victim. And this is my other problem with Robert and Deep Root is John is now the victim who has no money. So please leave him alone. Do not sue him. Let him go. Let him off the hook. Okay. He's trying. That's number one. Like he's trying to like make plaintiffs, plaintiffs give up their case. Um, the other thing is he's basically victimizing John. That's number two. Like John is this creature that he's protecting and he needs you to let him go so he can go do his thing. The other part that Robert Mueller did that just shows me that he has learned nothing, nothing from the pinball industry is he made the cardinal sin, the number one mistake that all pinball manufacturers have made over the last five years that I've been following this hobby. He made the biggest mistake ever. And that mistake 
is that he gave a delivery date. He gave a delivery date of June 30th, 2019. That is the date by legally they are bound to deliver your multiple games um, uh, of Zidware, for Zidware customers. And they haven't specified which titles they will be, but he has said time and time again, it will be multiple titles that will be delivered by that date. Um, that is 18 months from now, roughly a year and a half, uh, that they are now going to have games shipping. Okay, so here's the thing. Why, Robert, would you put a date out there? Have you built a machine? Do you have working Magic Girls and Razas and Alice in Wonderlands that you are so confident that you'll be able to manufacture and get these things to people by that date? Now, if you do, God bless you. Uh, I know you're offering people to go on this like tour of the facility to see the progress. And I've said it, and I'll say it again, Robert. If you figure this thing out, if you unravel the mystery of John Papaduke, I will happily buy the games, okay? Are you going to stop me? Can I, Wait, I, I wonder if Robert's like, a new term and condition of Deep Root Pinball is if you have said anything negative about us in the past, we will not allow you to buy our games. Sorry, but you've poo-pooed the process. Robert Mueller, Deep Root. Come on, Robert. Enough with the shenanigans and like the legal speak. And honestly, I don't think there's a person out there that doesn't listen to this webinar and say, this is the worst way to launch a pinball company. You are launching a pinball company with a 30 minute sort of webinar of legal speak, mumbo jumbo, gobbledygook about how you're going to make whole, but not really make whole Zidware customers. I mean, I was right. I reported this correctly that you are only giving people 50 cents to the dollar on what they gave John Papa Duke. So that's not making people whole. It's giving them something. I agree with that. It's better than nothing. I agree with that. But you're not making them whole, okay? They, they're, they're, you're just not. And, and, and it's not goodwill. All of this is a little bit of a threat. It's either our way or the highway, but we're gonna package it up in this way that tries to make us look like the good guys, like goodwill, like you're, you're, you might label it these things, but it's not goodwill. This is like a take it or leave it agreement, all right? Okay, now look, this podcast is about to take a significant detour into another thing I wanna say about this whole situation because after listening to the webinar and after hearing all of Robert's terms and conditions and after thinking about it for a night, I asked myself one question and that question is why? Why are they doing this? Why is Deep Root Pinball so invested in John Papaduke and so adamant about figuring out a way to work with John Papaduke? And I think all of us, you know, as much as we're angry, as much as we despise the man for what he did, I think every intelligent person needs to step back and say why. 
always start with the why. Why are they doing this? And I've been racking my brain about this for weeks, thinking about it. And I, I came to a conclusion that might upset some of you. But the conclusion I came to is very simply this. That John Papa Duke is worth it. Okay? I, I'll tell you why. John Papa Duke is the worst businessman on the planet. But when it comes to pinball talent, okay, just pinball talent, John Papa Duke brings something to pinball that nobody else does. And, and, and what he brings, okay, he's, he's, he's a lunatic. He's a mad scientist. He's out of his, out of his noggin. He, you talk to the man, he'll talk to you for hours, he'll talk your head off. He's absolutely insane. But when it comes to pinball design, okay, when it comes to design, designing a pinball machine and art directing a pinball machine, John Papaduke is a genius, okay? And, and look, there, there's no denying it. He understands something about pinball. He brings something to pinball that nobody else does that nobody since him has done, that nobody during the whole Zidware era has been able to replicate. John Papaduke is able to throw something onto a pinball machine that makes you go, wow. And that is why, okay, that is why, as disgusted as I am with Deep Roots approach, with Deep Roots whole like signing up of all the expendable people like Dennis Norman and Barry O and John Norris, all those guys are throwaway guys to me. They're throwaway. They're all just cover for the real valuable um, entity there, which is John Papaduke. And, and he is the whole reason why Robert Mueller wanted to make Deep Root. If you remember when Zidware was collapsing, Robert was part of the conversation years ago to, to make things right. And look, I'll say this, and I know this is not popular. If I'm to be honest with myself, John Papaduke's Magic Girl, still to this day, is the most stunning pinball machine I have ever seen. If I really could wish one pinball machine to actually work because it's such a work of art, it's Magic Girl. All right, I didn't want to sell it. I didn't want to get rid of it. I just couldn't own it because it played like shit. But when you look at a magic girl and you put it next to everything else that has come out in the last five years, it's not even in the same level or on the same level as anything else out there. It makes everything else look like shit. Everything. Now, now yeah, that's the irony, is it? Like, it all looks with nothing. It's all... It's all appearance with no substance. And I get that, which is why I'm like, I'm so curious as to how these gentlemen are going to actually make the game work because it's the things are there, but how are you going to make that, that whole center mechanism work? Will they figure it out or will they strip out the things that made it look magical and give us a bare bones machine? But all that is besides my point. My point is this. John Papaduke is a pinball genius, mad scientist, lunatic, 
who like love him or hate him, all right, lose money or like whatnot. The man has a way with pinball and a way with artists that nobody else does. An example of this, look at John Papaduke. Look at what his results were when he art directed Matt Andrews, okay? Look what he got out of Matt Andrews with the cabinet artworks for Magic Girl and, and Raza. Look at what he got out of Matt Andrews for the playfield and cabinets of the original Houdini design. And then look at what Matt Andrews delivered for Total Nuclear Annihilation. Same artist, different art director. Scott Denisi art directed Matt Andrews for Total Nuclear Annihilation. John Papaduke art directed Matt Andrews for all the Zidware games that Matt worked on. Look at the difference. And that is why John Papaduke is valuable. That is his greatest quality. Is John Papaduke can look at a blank play field, a blank cabinet, and create something and put something there that is absolutely amazing. And he can work with artists to direct them to make it so. Now look, I know a lot of you are like, Chris, what the fuck are you doing? You are like supporting this guy that you have been so opposed to. And I'm still opposed to John Papaduke, the businessman. I'm still opposed to John Papaduke's Zidware ventures. Um, but look, there is no prettier machine in all of pinball. There is no more take my money now, I need to put this in my apartment than John Papaduke and Jeremy Packer's Alice in Wonderland. Now, if you go look at Alice in Wonderland, all right, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the history of pinball. I know it's just foam core. I know it's just black and white artwork. But I have never seen something so incredible in pinball. From an artistic and design standpoint, I don't even care like how intricate the game is. And that was John's problem. He didn't need the games to be that intricate. He just needed them to shoot well, be fun, and be covered in a world of art and lights and sound. And he would have been just fine. All right? But that is, that's the reality, people. All of this deep root nonsense, all of these people in a room with a photograph, the expendables as I called them, they're all just smoke and mirrors to get you to feel better about one man in that picture. The man in that picture, you can't barely see, his face is half covered, but that one man has more talent in him than all of those men in that room. And I, and then the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is, is, is that John Papaduke, if you were to give people, let me ask you a question. If you were to say, hey, Dennis Nordman designed me a game. Barry O designed me a game. John Norris designed me a game. John Papaduke designed me a game. Who do you think walks into the room with the design or the concept that's really the craziest, out-of-the-box, like, oh my God, I never would have thought of this game. It's going to be J-pop. It's going to be. And that's his value. And look, I work in a creative profession, and on some weird freaking level, on some weird freaking level, 
I actually relate to John Papaduke because I feel cre- I'm a creative. I I would never leave and start my own PR company. It would fail immediately. I relate to J-Pop because all of my big campaigns in my life, the ones that are recognizable, they only got off the ground because of team of people who did all of the hard work that needed to be done to make the stuff work. Work that I'm not good at. Work that I could never succeed at. But, but those individuals also, they would never have come up with that idea had I not come up with it. And together, we make magic. And that's J-Pop's existence, is with the Bally Williams people in place, he, would, he could make magic. And so the question then becomes, with the Deep Root people in place, will they make magic? John is working alongside engineers, software engineers, mechanical engineers, other designers. He now has a team of people to help him out. Will it succeed? Will they succeed? And I'm here to tell you, this is the best shot they've had at ever succeeding. All right? Now, it doesn't excuse, you know, Robert's approach, Robert's marketing, Robert's, you know, webinars, all the stuff that he's doing to launch DeepRoot. I think they did it all wrong. I said from the very beginning, Robert, what you should have done is you should have figured it all out. The fact that you're hyping your company 18 months in advance shows me one thing. It's, it, the, the reason why they're doing this now is simple. It, is Robert is still in a legal battle with the IP over the Zidware stuff. He's still in a legal issue with, with American Pinball. Um, Robert can't do what he wants to do legally. And so he has to come out now and try and apply pressure to get the legal issues off his back. Because you just can't, you can't just work with J-pop clean slate in 2018 the way he wants to. So that is where we're at. It's not going to be popular. Some of you might be disgusted with me for saying this, um, but I do believe John Papaduke is just—he's—he's—he's—he he's, he's, is worth it if you can figure it out. Now nobody's been able to figure it out, but if I, as a marketer, as a marketer. If I had to go find a designer to make my games that would sell, right? That I didn't have to rely on an on a, on a expensive license. If I wanted a designer who knew how to make something original that people would want. Very short list. And John Papaduke is at the top of that list. All right. Well, let's see what happens. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting 18 months. What else is going on? Sorry, guys, it is 5.41 in the morning, and I'm just like spitting some freaking pinball logic at you guys. All right, I want to I close this podcast on something I said on a previous podcast, and that was American Pinball and Oktoberfest as a potential next title for American Pinball. Now, I have received... Uh, uh, unsuspectedly, I got feedback from some of you who said to me, "Hey, Chris, like, don't you think that Oktoberfest would be a great theme? I mean, it's it would be such fun." You know who said that? Ryan C thought it could be fun over at Head to Head Pinball. 
Uh, I think Dave Sanders talked, sent me an email about it. Uh, you know, he was kind of equating it to Animal House, which I also shit on as a theme. Um, look, I, I'll say it and I'll say it again. If American Pinball wants to go out of business, they should make Oktoberfest. It's plain and simple. Plain and simple. You, you, you could not sell me on Oktoberfest out of all the potential themes in the pinball world that you should make that your sophomore title if you're a new pinball company. And, and I'll say this. Like, stop, all of you out there. Stop emailing me that Gary Stern said that beer plus pinball equals profit. That is such bullshit. Stern does not make the majority of their money selling pinball machines to bars. They don't. If you believe that, you're an idiot. I, 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 I'm just going to say it. And the other part is this. I get that people like to drink beer while they play pinball. That does not mean that Oktoberfest is what people want their pinball to be about. It's like this. I don't want my pin like I don't want my pinball machine in a bar to be about a bar. Like yeah, you can make a tapper pinball machine is would that sell? I first of all, that's a better theme than Oktoberfest. If someone were to say to me, "Hey, we're going to make a pinball machine based on the arcade classic Tapper, I would say that's kind of cool. Imagine that. Imagine a pinball machine where uh, it has like basically the play field looks like bars going across and the beers pop up like pop-up targets and you have to hit them or maybe they slide across and you have to hit it before it goes over the edge. Holy shit. Canada in the last 30 seconds just designed and came up with a pinball concept that's far greater than fucking Oktoberfest. You can't tell me that more people wouldn't be into Tapper, the pinball machine that does what I just described. A pop-up target moves from left to right and you have to shoot it before it goes over the edge of the bar. Look at that. Canada, the marketer. This is why I get paid the big bucks, people. Because I could sit in a room and come up with better themes than these dingleberries can who don't understand marketing and what people want. All right? I'm not a freaking fraud. You know, I, I laugh because I have offered up my skill sets to all the pinball companies of this world for free. For free. My clients pay me hundreds of dollars an hour for my marketing advice. And when I offer up my skill sets for free, do you know how many times I've been hit up by the pinball people of the world? Zero. Zero. Do you know how many, we're the number one pinball podcast. We are the number one pinball podcast. Do you know how many pinball companies have hit me up to sponsor this show? Zero. Zero. Nobody. Nobody wants to admit it. And that's the problem with this hobby. I'm sorry, but like, if you got smart people in a room, smart marketers, smart this, I would run circles around this hobby with themes and ideas of what to bring to pinball. Run circles. Now, I'm not sure all my ideas could be executed, 
But the ones that would, they would be much better than what you're getting. And I've been having conversations with friends offline about this. And the ultimate thing is this. I was talking to a good friend and he basically said, Chris, here's the problem. Is that new pinball is just not as good as the older games. It's just not. The games from the 90s still blow away modern pinball. And, and, and people today and people on the forums, they're all crazy about justifying these new games, but there's just no denying the fact that what we're getting these days is it, we have to just take what we get. That these games aren't really delivering the magic and the specialness that we want them to. With all the effort that's going into it, it's just not delivering. And it's hard to argue against that. If I were to ask you, like, what's the most magical pinball machine that's come out in the last five years? We think about it. All the titles that Stern has made, all the titles that, that, that Jersey Jack has made, Spooky's made, American Pinball, you know, Highway Pinball, Dutch Pinball, Fast Pinball, Zidware Pinball, Skit B Pinball. You know, you go down the list, you know, Multimorphic, P3, all the companies, Chicago Gaming. In the last five years, what's the game that just makes you say, yup, they nailed it amazing it's magical you have to own it right it'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to put such accolades on any machine but then you start to think like monster bash or attack from mars medieval madness indiana jones you know tales of the arabian nights like all one of those games, one of those games built today, built today would immediately be the talk of the town. Just one of them, Adam's Family, Twilight Zone, you know, and it's just, we're still just trying as hard as we can to make something today that's even comparable or in the same conversation as the best machines from yesteryears. And the other point my friend was making is, Chris, you can easily get machines that cost two to $3,000 that are far more fun than all these new machines that cost way more. And he's right. He's right. You don't get the bragging rights because half, half of the time people buy these games just as, just as a showcase that they have money. They don't even play them. When a guy's buying Guardians of the Galaxy and selling it with 32 plays on it, what's that guy saying to us? You got money? You don't even care about the game. Why'd you buy it? Why did you buy it? All of these sales, less than 200 plays. Either you're an idiot or you're a liar or you just changed the code and now it reset the plays. Who buys a pinball machine and plays it only 200 times over like a period of years. I don't buy that. I put like 30 plays on a Batman like in like two hours. And it's, it's like, why would I not play it? Anyway, guys, this has been episode 202 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Your source for the most off the rails, re 
<laughs> ridiculous discussion about pinball. I thank you for listening. I really do. I don't know why you guys like tune in sometimes like to hear me put on a mic and just ramble about this hobby, but I hope I hope you feel like uh, we're we're getting somewhere. Like we're 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 talking about the reality and the truth of what's under the surface of these companies. And I and look, and all I'm trying to do is try and get at what that truth is. And my speculations might be correct, they might be wrong, but I'm allowed to deliver them. Right? This is a free world. As long as this is a free country, I'm allowed to give my opinions about pinball. But I am shocked that I think Canada's pinball podcast continues to be that's the bad pinball podcast. We're not even gonna mention it. You know, I love like Slam Tilt and Bro Do even talk pinball. We're not even gonna mention his podcast on the Trippy Award. Come on. I love it. I the more they try to ignore me they, and, and ignore us. You, the listener, they're trying to ignore this entire show. The more popular we become. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Talk with me now, bitch, to see you freestyle. Talk is cheap. Motherfucker, if you really feeling frog asleep. Yo, Slim, you gon' let him get away with that? He tried to play you. You can't let him skate with that. Man, I hate this crap. This ain't rap. This is crazy the way we act when we confuse hip-hop.